they're forcing life to come to them versus giving life to the people around them. And one of the things I know beyond a shadow of a doubt now, Benjamin, is that when you get that flow of life correctly, people will stay. People will follow you. People would support you. They'll let you lead them when you are constantly reminding them that you are for them and you are about them. And so that's really where it came from. And it really was built on the idea of the most life-giving leaders I know have learned to be their truest selves. Welcome to Rise and Lead. I'm Benjamin Lundquist, and this podcast is all about personal growth and leadership. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing Rise and Lead community. We are very passionate about serving and growing leaders like you. You are here because you want to impact the world, and that's inspiring. Thanks for showing up every day. Showing up is half the battle. On this episode, I sit down for a power-packed conversation with Tyler Reagan. Tyler is the founder and CEO of The Life Giving Company. He is an author and the past president of Catalyst Conference. Together, we talk about leading your family well, How do you navigate leadership and life transitions? How do you become a more life-giving leader? And how do you know if you're coming to the end of your current leadership assignment? The Rise and Lead podcast is designed specifically to motivate and equip you to live your greatest life with maximum impact. We are going to find out what makes great leaders great and how you can start growing yourself, rise, expanding your impact, lead, and living the life you have been created to live. I want to personally invite you to be a Rise and Lead partner in spreading the word about this podcast and all the episodes that will follow so together we can reach more people. Honestly, your support means the world to me. It's listeners like you who are helping the Rise and Lead podcast to reach almost 100 countries around the world. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you can get all the episodes that drop every month. Rate the podcast. I'm always going for a five-star rating. If you think Rise and Lead deserves a five-star rating, I would greatly appreciate that. Leave a written review about how the podcast has added real value to your life. Your reviews, they matter. And finally, share about Rise and Lead with your family, friends, and your social media network. Screenshot this episode with Tyler Reagan and share it with someone. You are helping other people rise to their next level by connecting them to an episode. When you share about the podcast as an Instagram story, make sure you tag me and I will always try and give you a repost. I like to start each episode with prayer, so let's pray together. God, remind us of our value and worth and that our life and leadership matter. Help us to maximize every gift that you have given us. Amen. 
My guest today is Tyler Reagan. He is the founder and CEO of The Life Giving Company. He's an author, and we're going to talk about his books a bit later on the episode. He is the past president of Catalyst Conference and served for seven years under the leadership of Andy Stanley. Currently, he serves as a leadership coach for teams and organizations. He is a leader of leaders. Let's jump into my conversation with Tyler Reagan. Benjamin, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. You know, we used to run at each other more often because we had events out on the West Coast that you would come hang out with and be at. But yeah, it's funny. I'm coming off of eight days being away from the family and my wife said last night, she was like, yeah, it was time for you to get home. I was like, yeah, I felt it too, you know, but we kind of had a passion project that our family felt called to. And I think that's one of the things I would say. I have my wife and I are celebrating 20 years of marriage this year. We have two boys, seventh grade and fourth grade. And man, they are just the best. And one of the things that's been super helpful for us, because I do travel a good bit for work and for different things, but Carrie and I have always included the boys in the calling. And when we talk about, you know, like this new nonprofit, a friend of mine started, we always process that with our boys as if this was our family calling, not just my calling. And so we talk about that. It's a very clear thing. So when I go, I'm just representing a bigger family that is bought into leaders and pastoring pastors and those sorts of things. So I was actually this week with a few different pastors, but in this Benjamin will come, he just made this comment and, and like around the table, all these guys just start crying. And the comment was, because his kids are like 20 and 24, Mm. and he said, I realized I spent more time trying to raise them than enjoy them. All these guys just start crying, and I'm sitting there kind of tearing up thinking about the fact that I don't want to make that mistake. I want to really enjoy my boys, not just raise them. I think that's the great way to just kind of say why the family matters so much to me and how I've connected them to our calling. I think as a pastor, one of my favorite moments in my life with my kids is when I got to baptize both of them. And that was because the faith that my wife and I have carried for so long and that we believe in the Christian faith became theirs. It wasn't ours anymore. And those moments of them articulating how Jesus changed their life. And there's still moments where my youngest, man, he loves worship music. They both love worship music, but every morning on the way to school, we listen to it and he just sings about as loud as you can sing. And when Half the time at night when he's upstairs getting a shower, we can hear him just belting out the lyrics to a new worship song he heard or whatever. The legacy I want with the boys and what I try to kind of constantly keep in front of them is that faith is not an occasional thing, that we really base our worldview and our life around how does scripture indicate, dictate, direct our day-to-day worlds. And watching them do that at school with their seventh grade friends and hearing them process life through a lens of there's something bigger than us. I think that's probably one of the most important things I try to focus on. I'm thinking a lot about my oldest right now, who's 13, and how to be super intentional with him this year. We want to do a trip together and just some, I mean, he's a year and a half, less than a year and a half away from high school now. And like, I got about five good years before he heads off to college. And I want to make sure that he is getting a lot of fathering, a lot of loving and care, a lot of unconditional love, a lot of coaching. I've heard there's these stages and I feel like the stage we're moving into with him is coaching more than policing or parenting. It's, hey, you know, this is going to come your way and we're just trying to help him navigate life. So I think for us is we want them to be their own selves. We want them to be their unique selves, the God-given selves, but we also want them to feel empowered to handle 
decisions that have to get made and and know that if they make a mistake, that we're not done with that, that we're going to love them through that. How have you and your wife made your family and that journey, spiritual life, just woven into the fabric of what yeah. you all do as a family? It reminds me of a story where I went through Onsite, which is a therapeutic retreat center in Nashville. And there was this one time I had a conversation. Part of this is you kind of do this role-playing thing where you talk to people in your life. You have people kind of step in and you have conversations with, say, your dad but it's a guy, it's not your dad, but you just, you're able to have some conversations. And one time I was going through kind of a scene in my life. My therapist asked if I would have somebody play God so I could have a conversation with God. And I start just talking to this guy that I picked to play God. And it was a very conversational talk. And one of the people in the room was really impacted by the fact that even she said, do you really talk to God like that? And I was like, yeah. Like I do, I see God, it's a relationship. He's with me, he's my partnering with him and things. And and so we do talk candidly and honestly and day in and day out. I wish I did it more, you know, it's one of those things. For me, taking away the super mystical idea of how far away he is or anything like that and recognizing, taking Jesus for his word that he has made that bridge for us to God, that we are connected to our heavenly father and we can have those kind of conversations that's what I try to communicate to our kids. And the other big piece, I had a friend tell me when I was processing even leaving Catalyst was, hey, process this with your kids. No matter how old they are, just let them hear you and your wife Mm. processing a faith decision like that. And that's been a huge thing. Now, I remember when we had the boys in the car and I said, hey guys, I think it's time for me to leave Catalyst and do my own thing. What do you guys think about that? We just feel like God's calling us to this, whatever. And they had fun like, kid questions like, well, does that mean you can't go to that anymore? Does that mean, you know, we couldn't go to the green room or whatever the thing may be. But down the road, as they start making their own decisions, they're going to recall those moments of watch my mom and dad process faith through this decision or this decision through this faith element. So I'm just praying that those kind of conversations, because I didn't really have those. I don't know that I've been around a lot of kids or people our age that say, yeah, my parents always process what they were thinking God was doing. I'm like, well, it's not difficult, but it has to be real. It has to be part of it. So I would say that's a big part of what we try to do. Making your family a part of the God process and those decisions, I think that's huge. And I echo what you're saying that I grew up in a family where those conversations were not public for the whole family. Those were closed door conversations. And I think it was just a generational thing where mom and dad would go and they would talk about the big decisions and then they would share what came out of the big decisions. But I love that challenge. Talk about that faith journey out loud and include the people you love most in the journey of faith that you're on. Not that it's secret, but it's a very public and we're all working this out by faith. I Let's talk about your leadership journey. And I've come to really understand a definition of leadership that I love that John Maxwell shares that leadership is influence. And it really helped me to understand that whether you have a title or position or not, everybody has influence and we're called to steward that influence well. Talk to us about when was the first time, Tyler, that you begin to see yourself as a leader and talk to us about that leadership journey that led to you being the president of the Catalyst organization. I became a believer late in high school and pretty quickly, a lot of adults in our group volunteers were like, you should be a youth pastor. And I was like, not unless God calls me to, like, I don't feel like that's going to happen, but they saw leadership in me. And I think I've naturally had the ability to get people to go a direction. 
But I talk about this in the first book, Life-Giving Leader. I talk about the second book. I talk about it in everything I can is that until you recognize that leadership is influence and how you steward that influence is your leadership journey, whether that's with two people connected to your influence or 2,000 people, if you don't take care of the two, you're never going to have 2,000. I think that's kind of the story that I would like to say is how I got to the point of leading Catalyst. That was not the dream job. I wasn't ever sitting there going, that's the thing. I've got to go get that position. It just, God kept opening the doors. I would say, Benjamin, one of the reasons is because I tried to be faithful with the little. And, you know, I took care of the two and then there were four. And then I took care of the four to the best of my ability and there were 10. You know, it just kind of kept escalating because I was trying to steward my influence and my leadership journey to the best of my ability. And the best way to do that is recognize that it ain't about you. And the best leaders make the people around them best. And Mm -hmm. so for me, the journey has been fighting really hard to be a great leader, specifically by making other people great. And I think that's really the key ingredient to a great leader is someone who's raising up the people around them really well. That was a little bit of my journey. I think early on, I knew I was kind of a natural leader when it came to getting people to go a direction. I think I'm a decent communicator. I'm super funny. So that helps. You know, I'm really good looking. I mean, all those things really play. And I'm just being sarcastic at this point. But you understand, like, I just tried to steward what was in front of me and it kept doubling and tripling. And the next thing I know, you know, you're standing in front of 10,000 people trying to encourage them in their leadership journey. So it's just to me, honestly, it's a story of just trying to be faithful to what's been handed to you. There obviously are intentional leanings into our gift sets, maximizing right. opportunities, but just recognizing at the end of every day, God gives us the faith we need for the platform that he has put in front of us. We have to exercise that, but he's right. given us the faith. And I think he's already set up the fruit to come out of that investment. I just love that reminder. And if there's anybody listening to this episode and you're struggling with the size of your platform, just go back to, we all have assignments and it's not about the size. It's about the assignment. I think that God has given us and making sure, like you're saying, Tyler, that we are being faithful to the assignment and in the right time and the right way, God will lead to the next assignment. It doesn't mean that may increase in number. It just may mean a different platform, that new assignment that you're in. So how did you journey from people recognizing that you had leadership gifts. Walk us through the different platforms that God brought you to. Let's see. I went to seminary at Gordon Conwell and was a part of a vineyard church, a four seas congregational church, just always continued to lead in different places and graduated, came back, worked at a boat shop, my best friend's dad's boat shop for about nine months, kind of going, what just happened? I don't know. And then ended up starting a church as one of the executive guys at Athens Church, which is a partnership of North Point. And Andy Stanley. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And then went, they asked me to come over and help start Brownsbridge Community Church, which was a new campus of North Point. So I was there about eight years. And while I was leading that team, I got really good at producing events and pulling off events. And so Catalyst asked if I would come and produce the three big events as a contractor. And so I did that for a couple of years, just fly to the big events, would be a part of programming meetings. And then after about three years, Brad Lominick, who was running it at the time, said, hey, would you come over and be our creative director and then also develop our staff? Because that's something I've always been passionate about and I love coaching leaders. And so I came over and did that and really enjoyed that for about a year, year and a half. And then Brad stepped aside 
And I stepped into that spot. That's a lot of even what the next book's about is like that first few days of like, okay, I just got handed the keys to a very important, very public platform. Well, how do you do that? Well, what does that look like? Because everybody's got thoughts on it. Everybody has opinions about it. I'm sure a lot of people liked it and a lot of people didn't. And so you just kind of have to trust that God's positioned you that he's called you to that. And that you could, again, goes back to just stewarding your influence well. Tyler, for those people who have never been to a Catalyst conference, can you paint that picture? What is Catalyst and what was the platform like that you were stepping into as the new lead? Yeah. So Catalyst started about 22 years ago, I guess now. John Maxwell decided he wanted to do something for the next generation of leaders. He said he kept looking around his conferences that he'd been having and they kept getting older as he kept getting older. And he wanted to make sure he always invested in that next generation of leaders. And so he partnered with Andy Stanley and Andy was a big part of that from the beginning saying, John, I want to do something. Let's figure it out. And so for 20 years, it was really built around how do we create space for leaders to get better? Craig Rochelle always says, when the leader gets better, everybody gets better. I think that's a true statement. And so what we recognized was that we needed to inspire and equip Christian leaders to make sure when they're in their space that they feel empowered to go lead and not just to follow. There is a followership that matters, but what what are you doing in, in your space of influence and how do you do that? So it was a combination of one day events, you know, at local churches and then a couple of really big events that were two day events for gosh, 20 years. It's kind of crazy. It's in Catalyst is still around. It's very scaled back right now because of COVID and everything. So who knows what comes out after that? I'm not involved. You know, I've been gone about two years now and I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to lead something that matters so much. One thing it did is it solidified for me really the understanding of why faith leaders have to lead well. I've said it on that stage many times that I don't know a lot of people that have walked away from Jesus because of Jesus, but I know a lot that walk away because of bad leadership in the church. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, that's not spiritual enough. Well, it's very spiritual. If you can preach the pain off the wall, but then you're a jerk Monday through Friday, those words lose power. 80% of the time you're leading people. And you represent God to them. You just do because you're working at a church. You've accepted a calling. You're a part of that vocation. And so if you lead poorly, it reflects poorly on the God that you serve. And so I think for me, watching day in and day out how important and how true that statement is and how true that principle is was probably the most important thing. And so that's what, you know, even the last two years, I've spent my days working within churches and organizations and even creating organizations to try to help make sure that pastors are healthy and that they're leading to the best of their ability. As a leader of faith, every single thing you say, everything you do, everything you post matters. And it often matters not just for this life, but it matters for the next. And really making sure that you are stewarding every bit of your influence well. And yeah, I think the Catalyst has been a platform that's had a profound impact on my life. It was really an honor to see you leading on that platform for the time that God gave you to lead that platform. And I know that you are consulting, you're leading leaders in different ways, but I just, I think for that season to see you in that role, I really was confident for that time God had you where he needed you to be. How difficult was that decision to leave Catalyst when you felt like God said, Tyler, this assignment has come to a close and it's time to move you on to your next assignment. I mean, anytime you leave something you love, it's difficult. I had a pastor tell me when I was praying about it, he said, you know, 
I've always known when it was time for a new season, when it felt like God's grace and mercy on you, not the thing, but on you at the thing was gone. And we kind of, in the faith world, we kind of believe that God gives us mercies and grace towards the assignment, right? Like in the event world, dealing with details and people changing their travel schedules and this and that and the other, like that's just part of it. Well, for seven years, I had grace for that. God had given me kind of the supernatural ability to roll with it. And it's just part of the job, right? When he said that, literally, I walked right into a next meeting and it was about something around those kind of things. I just remember as clear as day, I didn't want any part of it. Like I was just kind of over it. I was like, I don't want to. And it was almost like God was saying, yeah, see, I've got grace and mercy for the new thing. And somebody else can come and do this because I've got grace and mercy on them for this. And so it wasn't like the grace was removed from Catalyst. It was just, I really sensed it was time for me to move on. And actually, I felt like I was holding the organization back. I was slowing it down. I'd given it all I had. I'd given it all the ideas I had, all the energy I had, all the leadership I had. And for it to move into whatever the next season could be or should be, it wasn't my call. And so I knew that. I knew it in my heart. So it was hard but it was right. Yeah. So I think that's that, but that little principle that pastor shared with me, I've mentioned that to a few people since then. And it was like giving words to what they were feeling. So I just kind of encourage leaders to pay attention to that, you know, pay attention to that tension. Well, what would you say, Tyler, what are some of those signs that people can look for when it is time to make a transition in leadership? And I think there are probably for all of us, and I would be guilty of this, there are times when I've stayed too long on a platform and looking back, I thought I stayed a year too long or I, if I really had been in tune and listening and seeing things for what it was, I probably would have transitioned a little bit earlier. Yeah. What would you want to say to leaders about understanding when your time may be done or it's time to transition and how you can transition well? Yeah, transitioning well is obviously a conversation of the next book that I have coming out in a few weeks. So we can get to that in a minute. But there's just a reality that a lot of people wait too long because they don't have security in the next decision. And so they're, I think that seems to be the case most of the time when leaders do stay too long is it's not about the where they are now. It's about where they're going and they don't feel 100% confident in that decision. Well, I remember telling some of my young leaders, even when I was at Catalyst, like they were dying over these kind of smaller life decisions. And I remember on HGTV, they even have like episodes called Dream Home and You're Forever Home and this and that, the other. And I just kind of combine that with the fact that I think a lot of young leaders and leaders in general, every decision right now feels like a forever decision. Mm. And it's just not. Even when you build your quote unquote forever home, if God moves you, he moves you. Like if somebody lives in a house for 50 years, we call them crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's just not a normal thing anymore. So to build a forever home or to make a forever decision we get crippled by it. It's not worth it. And so I think a lot of people stay too long simply because they don't know what's next and they're scared to death to make a step in that direction because, oh, what if it's wrong? We make wrong decisions all every day. Mm -hmm. And so it's okay, but God's still good. And if you feel like you're following him and you're trying to be faithful and, and the door's open, take a step of faith, like see what happens. And so I do, I think that's one thing that I would encourage leaders who might feel like they're staying too long is, are you staying too long because you're afraid of what's next? The other piece is just, I think we're just, we are all convinced that we are the reasons that things are successful. And so therefore, there's two insecurities with that. One, what if I leave and it gets better? Or two, what if I leave and it falls apart? Well, part of you wants that, right? Because like, well, yeah, because I was the guy, I was the girl. 
is that really what we want? Do we want to build things just to hand them off and hope they fall apart and catch on fire because we were so great? No, none of us want that. We want to hand it off better than we found it. And so I think those are two things to just kind of look at and wrestle with in your own heart and mind is like, is that what's keeping me from making a next call? So there's just a few things you got to think through before you step into a potential transition or next step. Just making sure that your motivation is not fear, but it's faith. Like, yeah. like if you could leave, but God needs you to stay, be there because that's a journey of faith and you feel convicted that your time on this platform is not done. But I think that there's a big difference between I'm staying because of fear yeah. or I'm staying because of faith. And I genuinely believe that my time is not yet. And on the flip side of that, if it's your time to transition, you got to step out in faith, like you said, and you got to be courageous. And I meet so many young leaders. That's kind of the niche that God has allowed me to speak into. They stress, like you said, that every decision is a make or break their life decision. Right, right. And often they don't make any decisions at all yeah. because they're so fearful of making the wrong decision. So thank you for that encouragement, Tyler, about like not every decision is your forever home. And if you do make a wrong decision, we're going to learn from that. I love the quote that says, your past is a life lesson. It's not a life sentence. Yep. And so you're going to learn and we're going to grow and we're going to make thousands of decisions in the future. But if you don't make any decision, you don't know what could be and yep. how God could stretch you and grow you. You launched a book uh, a few years ago called Life Giving Leader. And if anybody has not checked out Life Giving Leader, it truly is, as the title puts it, a life giving book. That book was really, it was really just kind of my own personal thoughts on how I want to lead, like the kind of leader I want to be. And it all came around the idea that when life flows, influence grows. Like so many people want the influence of 2000, but like I said, they're not taking care of the two because the flow of life is wrong. They're forcing life to come to them versus giving life to the people around them. And one of the things I know beyond a shadow of a doubt now, Benjamin, is that when you get that flow of life correctly, people will stay. People will follow you. People would support you. They'll let you lead them when you are constantly reminding them that you are for them and you are about them. And so that's really where it came from. And it really was built on the idea of the most life-giving leaders I know have learned to be their truest selves. Those greatest leaders have learned to lead for their truest self. And that's what the subtitle of the book is all about. And that came from Psalm 139 that King David talks about that God knit us together in our mother's womb while, a few verses down, while looking at the breadth of our life, our story. Why would he create us in a unique way that doesn't connect to that lifelong calling and purpose? Well, that's just dumb, but so many leaders disconnect those two things and they start chasing other people's uniquenesses. And so the real message of that book is, one, we got to be life-giving leaders and here's why, but two, to do that, we've got to be ourselves. And so it really just came from more of a working on my own life and leadership and what I think really does impact other people. What are a few practical steps that somebody could take, say, in the next week or month to become a more life-giving leader? I always start leadership at emotional intelligence. Like, go learn yourself. Take some assessments. Emotional Intelligence 2.0 book by Travis Bradbury. He kind of combined some of what Daniel Goldman's research originally said. And so there are four things, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relational management. Well, if you're not self-aware, 
you're really not going to regulate your own self-behavior or manage your own behavior. So they build on each other. You got to build out and understand yourself. Why does that matter in leading others? Because you need to know what triggers you, but you also need to recognize and become aware of the people you're leading and help them become self-aware so that when conflict arises, I know how to approach them well. I know how to deal with that leadership component. Then it moves into social awareness. We've all worked with people who are completely unaware of the social reactions, the social cues. They don't pick up on them. They think their idea is the best idea. When nobody's grabbing a hold of it, it's because they're not being clear in their minds because they can't read the room. They can't feel that there's no energy in the room. Nobody really gets excited about Mm -hmm. that. A lot of people say jokes that are inappropriate, but they don't recognize it because they lack social awareness. So I think the most practical thing I would point leaders to, to be life-giving, one is go read Psalm 139 and pray through that and go, where am I acting a little bit counter to what I think maybe God has uniquely gifted me in. But the way you figure that out is take some assessments and start going, I'm an Enneagram, whatever. And I work through this and on the right path, I'm this sort of leader. This is my profile. That helps you go, okay, well, if God wired me like this, but then I'm in a job that's the opposite of this, maybe that's why I'm tired all the time. Maybe that's why I feel tension. So the most practical thing for me is to learn yourself, be better at at emotional intelligence. Tyler, you've got a brand new book coming out in just a few weeks called Leading Things You Didn't Start. When I read the title, Leading Things You Didn't Start, I thought, what a relevant book for leaders. I mean, there are things that we start, but more often we are handed things to lead in a season or to serve as a leader for an assignment that we didn't start. Yeah. So talk about this book. I'm excited about it coming out in a few weeks and I'm going to read it, share it with my network. Yeah. And that's really, that's where the idea came from is I was handed a very public national movement. And there are a lot of organizations that transition doesn't go well. To Brad Lominick's credit, a lot of people actually wanted there to be a story of like, well, what happened? Well, why did he leave? And why did you step over? Like all these things. And Brad and I have always just tried to clear the air, even though we never put out there was any bad air. Like there wasn't, it was, it was a season. Henry Cloud talks about necessary endings. Like it was a necessary ending for him. And then when I left, it was a necessary ending for me. And, but I do remember driving into the office that day and going, this is different. Last week I wasn't in charge. This week I am in charge. I didn't start this. So what do I do to do this well? And the other thing you kind of mentioned, you hinted at was what popped in my head, and I made this number up, but it's what popped in my head originally was there's a million books and resources on startup and entrepreneurship, but I don't know, but maybe one or two on transition and succession. And I remember thinking, but like maybe 90% of us step into something we didn't start. I think there's just a very few that actually start something from scratch and build it. But the resourcing is very different, right? It's not equal. It's like all the resources is for the 10%. And there's the 90% of us that step into a team that we didn't start. They step into a stereotype at a job or you're coming in following a leader people loved or following a leader people hated. And like, what do we do in either situation? And so I just really felt like based on my experience of working at North Point, managing Andy's influence and North Point's influence combined with then taking over a catalyst, I just really tried to put pen to paper on some ideas of if you step in to a situation like that, how would you lead best so that you come in well? Imagine onboarding and two weeks before you get there, they send you a book and a t-shirt and your lanyard or whatever to the church. But the resource is this book. And it says, if you want to be successful in your first 90, 180 days, first year, you want to start well with us. 
this is how we believe you'll do that. And so I really wrote it with that kind of audience in mind as well as being a resource to go, hey, when you step into our organization, this is what we think success looks like. Um, and so I created a very practical plan. Here's what you do. Here's what you think. Even in the back of it, there's a 30-day kind of epic plan is what we call it because it's that's how I broke out the process a little bit. But it kind of gives you a weekly, this is what I need to be praying about. This is what I need to be thinking about. This is what I should be looking at. So that's really where it came from is the idea that there needs to be more resources, specifically in the faith community, around how do you step into places and steward it well. I don't think God, especially when you look at, you know, Psalms 139, as you mentioned, God doesn't call us to be insecure and God doesn't call us to be arrogant. I think God calls us to be humbly confident in who he has created us to be. And so I want to thank you for writing a book that I think there has been a void for this kind of content for a while. And I just want you to know that I really resonated with the title right off the bat when I read it. Yeah, it's great. You mentioned this, but this is how they tie together to me is that if you're called to step into something you didn't lead, you're not called to be the leader that was there before. You got to honor that. You got to understand that. You got to become aware of what's good, what's bad, what's indifferent, but you can't be stuck in the mud because of past. And you're definitely going to get stuck in the mud if you're trying to lead the way the leader before you led. It's coming in and going, I'm gifted at this. I'm good at this, but you have to do it in a very aware way. Mm. You have to take your time I have three chapters in the book on patience because that is a fruit of the spirit for a reason. It is not easy. It doesn't come natural to us. It is something that forces us to stay connected to the Holy Spirit as we do that and be patient with people as we step in, including yourself. And so, yeah, it all kind of ties together to that same idea of doing it well and giving life to people as you do it. That when you are gifted in certain ways, recognize the gifts that God has given you. Don't speak down to your gifts. Don't operate from lack, but recognize that if you have a platform, you've made a transition that God has gifted you for this season. And I think there are some leaders who need to hear that message. Acknowledge your gifts and give God glory for the gifts that you have. Don't operate from scarcity, operate from the abundance. If there's anybody who is just second guessing their leadership contribution, their platform, I would just encourage them by saying you have an overabundance of giftedness and resourcing for what God is calling you to do right now. And everything you need to live your purpose in this season, you have it. And to be able to recognize that, I think that's a huge part of this transition. Tyler, I'm excited about the book. And if you track with me on IG and this podcast, we're going to share more about Tyler's book, Leading Things You Didn't Start, as soon as that releases in a few weeks. Let me end, Tyler, with just a couple questions. You have written a few books. There are podcast episodes of you doing interviews different places. If all of that was erased, and so you got no more content out there at all, if all of that was erased and you could share one, central message with the world? What message would you want to share with the world? I think it's what we've talked about throughout this whole time, which is as a faith leader, how we lead affects people's faith. And so I've just watched too many friends walk away from faith, not because of Jesus, but because of poor leadership. And so I think the church should be the most life-giving organization on the planet. And so many people just say, yeah, but I'm called to preach the gospel. And I'm like, you are, I promise. But that is a small percentage of what you do day in and day out who was it, Bonhoeffer or somebody said, preach the gospel and when you, when you have yep. to use words, right? That's leadership to me. I want people to feel like they're better leaders because they came into contact with me. And that for me is all an overflow of my love for Jesus and my love for the church. And so 
yeah, I think that's what I would want my central message to be. Tyler, and you've talked about with the conversation about life-giving leader, a few of those practical steps. What would you recommend for somebody listening in the next 24 hours that wants to lead better? Like what's something practical somebody could do in the next day to really take their leadership to that next level? Yeah. Other than like the resources we try to create, I would still put people back towards emotional intelligence. And so even just picking up EQ 2.0, just learning about it because it's such a critical piece of great leadership. And you can do that in the next 24 hours for sure. How would Tyler Reagan define a great leader? Oh man, see, that's not even fair. I've thought about that for 20 years, you know, because I would combine Andy Stanley's incredible leadership and his vision and the way he communicates with Craig Rochelle's unbelievable faithfulness to people and loyalty Mm -hmm. and discipline with Lisa Turkhurst's incredible content creation, but care for her people. Like it would be hard for me to pick one because I would, I've just seen it in so many great leaders. And so I think at the end of the day, it has to come back to my faith for me, which is, are they following Jesus in a way that allows them to bring life to the people around them? And honestly, as a non-Christian, you could bring life to people, right? But for us, we have this belief that the source of life is God and Jesus. And so we want to tap into that and we want to be an overflow of that. So that, that would be very central to me to be a great leader. Again, so honored to have you here on Rise and Lead. Your book comes out in a few weeks and we'll share more about that in the links and on my personal page. Tyler, if people want to follow you, they want to connect with you, they want to reach yep. out to you for consulting opportunities, coaching opportunities, how do people connect with you? Yeah, the best way is probably social, which is just at Tyler Reagan, R-E-A-G-I-N. Or you can go to TylerReagan.com. My company, Life Giving Company is connected there and all the books are there and stuff like that. So that's probably the best place if you want to get connected or email or whatever that looks like. And I know you have brought some high value to a lot of people. So thanks again. Thanks for having me. I hope this episode with Tyler impacted you. Send me a DM and let me know. I'll read every message that comes in. Make sure you screenshot this episode and share it with someone. Post it to your social media accounts. Make sure you tag me so I can give you a repost. Someone you know needs to hear this conversation. Look for new episodes to drop every month. You won't want to miss those. Thank you for taking the time to invest in yourself. You are worth it. Remember, the best time to rise and lead is now.